ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So last time then, we were talking about the topic of Iman. The last few sessions in fact, we've been talking about the topic of Iman. We've gone through the main principles regarding Iman. We mentioned how actions are a part of your Iman. We mentioned the evidences for that. We also spoke about how Iman increases and decreases and the evidences for that. And we also mentioned how the Iman of people is of different levels. People have different levels of Iman. Here Al-Imam Al-Tahawi mentioned that everybody is equal in the basis of Iman. That is talking about the basis the basis of Iman begins equal, but then beyond that, it increases, it decreases, people are of different levels. One final thing to mention regarding Iman is the issue of Al-Istithna. And that is, if somebody was to say to you, Are you a mu'min? That is one of the topics that the scholars sometimes mention in their books of Aqeedah regarding the issue of being a mu'min or not. <coughs> if somebody says to you, Are you a mu'min? Then how do you reply to that question? Allah knows best if you're a mu'min. You don't know if you're mu'min? What do you mean? What else could it mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you're a mu'min. Yes. Somebody says to you, are you a mu'min? You say, absolutely, I'm a mu'min. Yeah. He said, inshallah, he doesn't know. <laughs> so it depends on the intent of the question. You remember, <coughs> we discussed it before, uh, in the hadith of Jibreel, in the hadith of Jibreel, alayhi salam, when Jibreel came to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he asked him, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِسْلَامِ أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ He asked about those three things. Tell me about Islam. Tell me about Iman. Tell me about Ihsan. Those three are the levels of the religion. مَرَاتِبُ الدِّينِ So the broadest widest area is, you can imagine it as the circle of Islam. The circle of Islam is the widest and broadest one, the biggest one, the circle of Islam. (coughs) So when a person accepts Tawheed, accepts Islam, he enters into the circle of Islam. He is now a Muslim. Outside of that circle of Islam, if you're outside of it, you are kafir. You accept Islam, you come into the circle of Islam. That is just a general broad circle of Islam. Persons accepted Islam two minutes ago, he's in that circle of Islam. Somebody's been a Muslim 80 years since they were born, he's in the circle of Islam. That is the circle of Islam. But then, the more a person practices, 
the more a person fulfills the obligations, <coughs> fulfills the wajibat that are upon them, and even the mustahabbat, those things that are mustahab, he does them too. Not just the obligations, obligations and the mustahab, he does everything. And he stays away from the haram, and not only the haram, but the makruh, stays away from that too. So the more a person develops like that, practicing Islam, then he gets more and more iman, and he rises higher and higher in his level, until <coughs> he reaches into a smaller circle, the wider circle of Islam, in there there's a smaller circle, and that is the circle of Iman. So you have a big circle, the circle of Islam. In there you have a smaller circle, the circle of Iman. That is obviously a higher level to get to. <coughs> Initially, a person is just in the wider circle of Islam. He's a Muslim. But is he somebody of high level of Iman, etc.? Is he in that smaller circle of Iman? That's another question though. But then, the more a person increases in Iman, even greater and greater and greater in his practice of the religion, etc., he gets beyond the circle of Iman. Within that, there's an even smaller circle. That is the circle of Ihsan. You are now a Muhsin. So you have the circle of Islam, then the circle of Iman, then the circle of Ihsan. Initially, you're in the circle of Islam generally. More you become practicing everything, you get into the circle of Iman. The more and more you further yourself in the religion, you may reach the circle, the smallest circle, the highest level, the circle of Ihsan. So you have those three levels of the religion. Those three levels of the religion, Islam, Iman, Ihsan. If somebody says to you now, <coughs> Are you a mu'min? What do they mean by their question? If somebody said to you, Are you a mu'min? What could they mean by that? They could mean, What could they mean? From the example we just gave then, if they ask you, are you a mu'min? They could mean, are you somebody who has... From the example we just gave. Have you reached that inner circle of iman? You have the wider circle of Islam, a level higher, the smaller circle of iman, a level higher, the smallest circle of ihsan. When they say, are you a mu'min? They may mean by that, have you reached a level of piety, etc., that you're now in that smaller circle of iman, mu'min. They could mean that. Or they could just mean generally when they say, are you a mu'min? Are you a believer? Meaning, are you just in the wider circle of Islam? Could mean, somebody could say, are you a mu'min? Because a mu'min is the opposite of a kafir. So they might just mean their intent may just be, are you in the circle of Islam? Are you a Muslim? Are you a mu'min? They may just mean that. If that is what they mean, then your answer is what? <coughs> what? Yes. Absolutely, definitely, 100% yes. If they say, are you a mu'min? And what they mean by that is, are you in the circle of Islam? Are you opposite of kafir? Are you a Muslim? Then obviously your answer is absolutely yes. If however they mean, are you a mu'min? Meaning are you somebody who has reached the level of the circle of iman? Are you in that higher level of piety etc? Then what do you say? <coughs> then you say inshallah. 
Then you say, Insha'Allah. Because you don't know if you're of that level of piety that you are considered from the circle of Iman, or if you're of that level of piety you're considered from the circle of Ihsan, you don't know if you've reached those levels. And you can't praise yourself, give yourself a tazkiyah recommendation. Of course, I'm in the circle of Iman. Or even better, I'm in the circle of Ihsan. You can't give yourself those recommendations. You can't give yourselves that self-praise. So if somebody's asking you about those, the circle of Iman and the circle of Ihsan, then you say, Insha'Allah, Insha'Allah, I hope that I've done the piety, the righteousness, I've done everything in practicing Islam. Insha'Allah, I'm in the levels of Iman and Ihsan. I hope to be in those levels. I hope to reach those levels. Insha'Allah, I'm in those levels. I'm striving and I'm working for that. That's all you can say. You can't say, absolutely I am. How can you say that? The Salaf never used to say that. The Salaf wouldn't give themselves this type of self-recommendation that of course I am mu'min, I am muhsin, I am this, I am that. They wouldn't do that. So it's all about <coughs> what the intent of the question is there. If somebody means, are you a mu'min, i.e. are you in the fold of Islam opposite to kafir? In that case, absolutely you are, yes. But if they mean, are you a mu'min, i.e. have you reached the higher levels of the religion and got it to the smaller circles of iman, then you say, inshallah, that's what I'm hoping for, that's what I'm working for, inshallah. So that is the difference regarding those two. Then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, وَجَمِيعُ مَا صَحَّ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنَ الشَّرْعِ وَالْبَيَانِ كُلِّهِ حَقِّ وَالْبَيَانِ كُلُّهُ حَقِّ That everything which has been authenticated and established from the Prophet ﷺ in the legislation, in the clarification and explanations, all of that which has come from him that is proven and established, then it is absolute truth. وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُحَى The Prophet ﷺ does not speak from his desires, that is revelation that is inspired to him. Similarly, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it. And that which he prohibits you from, then abstain from it, stay away from it. And in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُ مَسْتَضَعْتُمْ وَمَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ That which I have commanded you with, then do what you are able, and that which I have prohibited you from, then stay away from it. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ told us, تَرَكْتُ فِيكُمْ شَيْئَيْنْ مَا إِنْ تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِ مَا لَنْ تَظِلُّوا مِنْ بَعْدِي كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّتِي أو كما قال, That I have left two things behind, as long as you cling on to them, you will not go astray. The book of Allah and my sunnah, Similarly, he mentioned in the famous hadith of Al-Irbad ibn Sariyah, رضي الله عنه, عليكم بسنتي وسنتي الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين من بعدي تمسكوا بها وعضوا عليها بالنواجذ That upon you is my sunnah, to take my sunnah and the sunnah of Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidin, Al-Mahdiyin, the guided, rightly guided caliphs. Cling on to that, bite onto it with your mawla teeth. All of these examples telling us of the importance of that sunnah. That it is revelation from Allah. It is truth. So we do not (coughs) reject any aspect of the sunnah. We do not turn our backs on any aspect of the sunnah. What is established in the sunnah, then we submit to that. Even if you can't understand something, you can't work it out, but you know it is authentic sunnah, it is revelation, you submit to it and you accept it. You don't reject things from the sunnah because you can't work it out. For example, there is a hadith about 
if you've got a drink and a fly comes and falls into the drink. The sunnah says, dip the fly in and take it out and then the drink is okay. Most people would say, how come, what are you talking about? Dip the fly and that's gone dirty now, throw it away, everything. But the sunnah tells you, authentic hadith, one of the wings of the fly has the da, and the other wing has the dawa. One of the wings of the fly has the disease, and the other one <coughs> has the cure. The other one has the antidote. And it is mentioned that when a fly fears for itself or is finds itself in some situation of danger, that it always protects itself from the side, from the wing that has the, the disease. That it will always protect itself with the side that has the, the, the poison or the, the disease. That side it protects itself with. So if it goes into the water, it sees imminently it's about to fall into this water, it will fall in from the side that has the illness in it. Therefore the Prophet ﷺ told us, dip this full fly in, because the other side will be the side of the antidote. So that's just an example. It is an example uh, regarding how we accept the sunnah. Whatever that sunnah may be, we accept it. If it is authentic and established and proven, there are narrations about <coughs> the urine of camels. It is pure and it can be drunk. And there is a narration about the Prophet ﷺ mentioning about the drinking of it. Drinking the milk of the camels and the urine of it. Animals that can be slaughtered and can be eaten. Then there, uh, what comes from them is pure. What comes from them is pure. So for example, the saliva of a camel, if it falls on you, pure. That's not impure. Examples like that, these are just examples from the sunnah where people may think, how can that be? How can this be right? How can that be right? The point here is everything that is established in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, established and proven, then it's not any type of criteria that your brain has to be able to understand it. And it has to be able to work it out why and how for you to accept it. You know it's authentic, you accept it. You can't work it out and you don't really know what's going on with it. Okay, inshallah you'll learn, you'll get more knowledge. But if it is authentic and established, you accept that sunnah and you do not reject any of the sunnah. There is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where it mentioned, لا ألفين أحدكم متكئا على أريكته يأتيه أمر مما أمرت به أو نهي مما نهيت عنه فيقول ما وجدنا في كتاب الله اتبعناه. There's a hadith where the Prophet said, <coughs> Let me not find one of you sitting back on his couch, sofa, whatever it might be. Let me not find one of you relaxing and a hadith comes to him. A command from what I have commanded comes to him. Or a prohibition from what I have prohibited comes to him. And he says, what we find in the Qur'an will take it. As for this meaning, they would say, the sunnah, I don't know, is this hadith authentic? Is it da'if? Is it this? Is it that? Just give us the Qur'an. Qur'an we know absolutely every ayah, revelation from Allah, give us the Qur'an. Hadith, I don't know. Da'if, is it weak? Is it fabricated? Is it authentic? Sahih. What's the ruling with these narrations? Just give me the Qur'an. The Prophet said, Let me not find one of you relaxing back. And a command comes to him from what I have commanded or a prohibition, meaning a hadith. Let me not find any of you when that hadith comes and you say, Just give us the Qur'an. Leave that aside. Rejection of the sunnah cannot be. There is the famous narration of Al-Hasan al-Basri where he narrated from Imran ibn Hussain 
that on one occasion Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu was giving a lecture. And he was talking Quran Sunnah. Somebody in the audience, he said, speak to us, meaning give us the lecture with only evidences from Quran. Only use evidences from the Quran. Leave the hadith aside. Because hadith we don't know, is it authentic, is it weak, is it sahih, is it da'if, is it this, is it that. We don't know what the rulings and the narrations are. So leave aside the rulings and the narrations, a hadith and all those, just give us Qur'an. Nice and simple Qur'an, authentic revelation from Allah. Leave aside the narrations of a hadith. So then it's mentioned, <coughs> that Imran ibn Hussain said to that man, Udnu. He said to him, come here, come here. So Dana, the man came. So then Imran ibn Hussain said to him, أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ وُكِلْتَ أَنْتَ وَأَصْحَابُكَ إِلَى الْقُرْآنِ Do you see? Meaning think, think. If you and your companions, the people on the same kind of thought as you, saying just stick to the Qur'an, forget about hadith, we don't know what's going on with that. People like you who say that, if you stuck to the Qur'an only, if you were left with the Qur'an only, no sunnah then as you're saying to me, if you were left with the Qur'an only, then how would you know that dhuhr prayer is four raka'at? And how would you know that asr prayer is four raka'at? And how would you know that al-maghrib is thalathan, yuqra' fithnatayn? It is three raka'at, you recite in the first two out loud and then quiet in the third. How would you know these details if you only stuck to the Qur'an? Because in the Qur'an, does it tell you dhuhr prayer is four raka'at? Any ayah in the Qur'an tells you dhuhr is four raka'at? No. Any ayah tells you asr is four raka'at? No. Any ayah tells you maghrib is three, recite two loud and then one quiet? No. No. So if you stick to the Qur'an only, how are you going to pray? Then he said to him on top of that, if you were left to the Qur'an only, and you want to put the sunnah aside, then how would you know that the tawaf around the Kaaba is seven times? <coughs> is there any ayah, <coughs> any part of the Qur'an that tells us that when you go to Umrah, when you go to Hajj, when you're doing the tawaf around the Kaaba, you go around seven times. Is there any ayah? So how do you know how to do Umrah and Hajj? And how do you know how many times to go around the Kaaba? Where have you learned that from? The sunnah. So then Imran ibn Hussain said to everybody, take it from me. Take it from me, he told them all. And then he gave them the advice regarding not abandoning the sunnah, not following this way of the people, Quran only. The Qur'an and the Sunnah, they are known as Al-Wahyan, the two revelations. It's mentioned in the narration of one of the Salaf, كَانَ جِبْرِيلُ يَنْزِلُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِالسُنَّةِ كَمَا يَنْزِلُ عَلَيْهِ بِالْقُرْآنِ That Jibreel alayhi salam, he used to descend upon the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, to teach him the sunnah, just like he used to descend upon him to teach him the Qur'an. Narration from one of the salaf, Atiyah ibn Hassan, or Hassan ibn Atiyah. Narration where they mention that, Jibreel used to come and teach the Prophet ﷺ the sunnah. There are examples, when the people, they used to come and ask the Prophet ﷺ questions, and those questions may be about certain things in the religion that the revelation hadn't come yet. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't know about this particular issue yet. So when they used to come and ask those things, and that revelation hadn't come about those things yet, it's mentioned in those narrations how the revelation would come to the Prophet ﷺ, and then he would answer them. 
revelation of sunnah would come to him. So the sunnah, it is revelation as the Qur'an is revelation. Sunnah is not something made up by the Prophet or made up by anybody else. It is also revelation. So that's why Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, it mentions here, وَجَمِيعْ مَا صَحَّ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم من شرعي والبيان كله حق Everything that is established and proven from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم then it is all authentic and truth فطريق أهل السنة يقول ابن العز الحنفي أَلَّا يَعْدِلُوا عَنِ النَّصِّ الصَّحِيحِ وَلَا يُعَارِضُوهُ بِمَعْقُولِ وَلَا قَوْلُ فُلَانِ كَمَا أَشَارَ إِلَيْهِ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ وَكَمَا قَالَ الْبُخَارِيُّ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ سَمِعْتُ الْحُمَيْدِي يَقُولْ كُنَّا عِنْدَ الشَّافِعِي رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ So the point so far is that the methodology of Ahl Sunnah is that we don't deviate away from the texts. These are clear principal points. We stick to the texts, unlike the people of innovation, where it's all about their opinions and what their imam's interpretation about something is. We stick to the texts. And if we're going to take interpretations, it is the interpretations of the Salaf. So here he mentions that is the way we do things. Quran, Sunnah, sticking to the texts, and we don't oppose that with our opinions or anything else. Just like Al Imam Al Bukhari mentioned, he says that he heard Al Humaydi say that we were with Al Imam Al Shafi'i, rahimahullah. فَأَتَاهُ رَجُلٌ فَسَأَلَهُ عَنْ مَسْأَلَةٍ and a man came to him to Al Imam Al Shafi'i. And he asked him a particular question about a particular issue. فَقَالْ قَضَى فِيهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَذَا وَكَذَا So Al-Imam Shafi'i told that man, well the ruling on that, it's been given by the Prophet ﷺ, X, Y, and Z. That the Prophet ﷺ mentioned about this issue you're asking me about, X, Y, and Z. That's what was mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ. So then the man said to Al-Imam Shafi'i, after the man has now been given an answer from the Sunnah, the man says to Al-Imam Shafi'i, ما تقول أنت? What do you say though? What do you say though? What do you say? What's your fatwa? So Al-Imam Shafi'i said, Subhanallah. He said, Subhanallah. May Allah be glorified, free of all deficiency or any type of shortcoming. Subhanallah. تَرَانِي فِي كَنِيسَةِ تَرَانِي فِي بِيْعَةِ تَرَانِي عَلَى وَسَطِي زِنَارِ زِنَارِ أَقُولُ لَكَ قَضَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ سَلَّمُ أَنْتَ تَقُولُ مَا تَقُولُ أَنْتَ الإمام الشافعي ستهم Do you see me in a, in a church or in like a temple or do you see me in those types of places? Meaning am I like those kinds of people? I'm telling you the messenger said X, Y and Z and you're saying what's my fatwa? I'm telling you this is the sunnah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. Why are you asking me what's my fatwa? Have you seen me coming out of a church or something? Am I like those people going to give you my own fatwa? He said, why are you asking me? I'm telling you this is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. And similar statements like that from the Salaf, there's many of them. Many of them. You have the famous one. Regarding how one of the companions, he gave an answer about a particular issue. And then it was mentioned that Abu Bakr and Umar, they say something slightly different or another statement about that issue. So Ibn Abbas said to them, I'm telling you that Allah has said this, the messenger has said this, and you're telling me Abu Bakr and Umar say this? Even Abu Bakr and Umar, you're trying to tell me their statement over the statement of what's in the revelation? I fear that stones and rocks will fall upon you from the skies. So, the point here is that we clearly 
stick to those texts as they are, and we do not uh, interpret our own interpretations or follow after the interpretations of people randomly. It is what is in the texts, and we affirm all of that sunnah, and we accept all of that, and we do not reject any aspect or any part of it. Then he says, وَقَوْلُهُ وَأَهْلُهُ فِي أَصْلِهِ سَوَاءٌ وَالتَّفَاضُلْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْحَقِيقَةِ وَمُخَالَفَةُ الْهَوَىٰ وَمُلَازَمَةُ الْأَوْلَىٰ وفي بعض النسخ بالخشية والتقى بدل قوله بالحقيقة ففي العبارة الأولى يشير إلى أن الكل مشتركون في أصل التصديق ولكن التصديق يكون بعضه أقوى من بعض وأثبت This is the section where he says whether people are all equal in its basis in the basis of iman That means all of us have the basic belief but then Over and above that, obviously it fluctuates. The more a person has piety and fear of Allah and stays away from desires, his iman goes higher, others they stay lower. In the basis of all of us having the belief in Allah and the angels, etc., the basis, all of us have that basis. We're all equal in that basis. We all believe in those things. But then beyond that, what level of iman have we got? It depends on your piety, your actions, your worship, etc., Then, وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ كُلُّهُمْ كُلُّهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ الرَّحْمَانِ That the believers, all of them are the awliya of Allah. The believers, all of them are the awliya of Allah. قَالَ تَعَالَى أَلَا إِنَّ أَوْلِيَاءَ اللَّهِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ That indeed the awliya of Allah. They have no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. They have no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. Sheikh Abdurrahman Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned regarding having no fear upon you and neither grieving, that it refers to the past and the future. That they have no grief in terms of that which has gone by. They have always repented to Allah and they sought forgiveness for their sins and shortcomings. They have nothing to grieve over or to regret over what's gone now. They've sought tawbah, sought forgiveness for whatever's happened, etc. They've been pious, nothing to grieve over what's gone. Neither is there any fear upon them, meaning in the future, in the afterlife, they will be from those who are saved. So nothing to grieve over in the past and nothing to fear in the future. That is the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a topic that is mentioned in some of the books in particular. Uh, For example, in Al-Usul al-Sitta, of Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala and also of course you have the book of Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala the distinction between the awliya of al-Rahman and the awliya of al-Shaytan so how do you distinguish who the awliya of Allah are because I'm sure around Leeds there are mashallah so many awliya of Allah every street corner, every mosque, every place there are awliya of Allah going around So how do you distinguish who really are the awliya of Allah? What's the criteria? The criteria in the basis, the most obvious criteria for somebody to be from the awliya of Allah is are they fully, properly practicing the Qur'an and the sunnah? If they're practicing innovations, they're going to be celebrating the birthday and putting Christmas lights up and doing other things. Then how is that from the awliya of Allah? Awliya of Allah, the basis of the criteria is that you are fully properly practicing the Qur'an and the sunnah upon the methodology of the salaf of this ummah. As for an innovator, a mubtadi' 
comes along and the people say he is a great wali from the awliya of Allah. And people go to him and they wipe him and they throw money and they touch and they prostrate. And the man, he wants all of that and he's good and he sits down and he's inviting them in to come and do these things. He's not from the awliya of Allah. Deviated individual allowing shirk to occur. They are not the awliya of Allah like that. Awliya of Allah are the pious and righteous practicing and implementing the sunnah. And that is what the scholars have mentioned, the clearest way to distinguish if somebody is from the awliya of Allah or not, are they actually fully, properly practicing the Qur'an and the sunnah. <coughs> you have the famous example of uh, the Cypriot, the Cypriot, Sheikh Nazim, that they all used to say is a great wali from the great awliya of Allah. And he himself used to say that the angels came to me and told me that we are no longer recording for you. You're free. Do as you please now, we're no longer recording for you. So they claim this man was a great wali from the awliya of Allah, reached such a level that the angels no longer need to write anything down for him. He's passed, he's done, dusted, finished, he's gone, he's beyond the need for any writing now. So that shows to you straight away, in 10 seconds, this man cannot be considered from the awliya of Allah. Because that is clear and blatant deviation to claim that my deeds are no longer being written, I can do what I want. Many of the big Sufi Imams, some of them who reach such a great level of being from the awliya of Allah, don't need to pray anymore. They don't pray anymore. They don't need to pray. They've reached such a level of being from the great, great awliya of Allah, they don't need to pray anymore you know definitely straight away this person is not from the awliya of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ was praying right up until death. Abu Bakr Umar, when Umar was stabbed, when he was stabbed, and they say he was stabbed so badly, that when he used to drink, because he didn't die straight away, he died afterwards, he survived initially. But he had all these stab wounds. So when he used to drink milk, they say when he used to drink milk, it used to come out of one of those or some of those stab wounds. His digestive system, the way the stab wounds were, the milk would come out from the stab wounds. Yet when they went to him the next morning after he'd been stabbed, and they said to him, As salah, as salah, he said, Absolutely na'am. La hadda fil Islam liman la salata lahu. He said, Absolutely there is no share of Islam for the one who doesn't pray. So he got up in that state. So they prayed, the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar and the companions, radiyallahu anhum, were they not at this great level of awliyaship, as these people claim? These people have got to a greater level of being awliya than the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum. Clearly you can see that is a deviation. So, the awliya of Allah... They are the ones who are truly practicing the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They are the ones who are truly implementing the methodology of the Salaf. They are the ones who will be from the awliya of Allah. Not those deviated ones, the mubtadi'ah, upon innovations, not praying, doing this, doing that, all types of shirk and innovation. People going and throwing money at them and touching and bowing and prostrating to their feet. They are not awliya of Allah. They are deviated individuals whispered to by the shaitan. So, make that distinction clear. <coughs> then, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi actually explains that in his next statement. When he says, وَأَكْرَمُهُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَأَطْوَعُهُمْ وَأَتْبَعُهُمْ لِلْقُرْآنِ وَأَكْرَمُهُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَطْوَعُهُمْ وَأَتْبَعُهُمْ لِلْقُرْآنِ that the noblest of them with Allah, who are the most noble with Allah, who are really these awliya with Allah, أَطْوَعُهُمْ وَأَتْبَعُهُمْ لِلْقُرْآنِ 
those who are the most in their submission and obedience and, and following the Qur'an. Those who are the most in their following of the Qur'an and the following of the Sunnah, meaning those who are the most in their practicing of the religion properly and accurately. أَرَادَ أَكْرَمَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ هُوَ الْأَطْوَعْ لِلَّهِ وَأَتْبَعْ لِلْقُرْآنِ the one who is the most obedient to Allah and the most following of the Qur'an. So that type of person is the most pious. And that is what Allah told us in the Qur'an. The most uh, ennobled of you with Allah is the one who is the most pious. That's in the Qur'an. The most Nobility, the ones who have the greatest nobility with Allah are the ones who are the most pious. In a hadith, <coughs> in the Sunan, it's mentioned uh, there is a hadith which is mentioned, and perhaps not in the Sunan, but in some of the other, uh, maybe Musnad of Imam Ahmad, it appears. Uh, whereby it mentions لا فضل لعربي على عجمي ولا لعجمي على عربي ولا لأبيض على أسود ولا لأسود على أبيض إلا بالتقوى الناس من آدم وآدم من تراب that there is no virtue of an Arab over a non-Arab and there is no virtue or better for a non-Arab over an Arab. And there is no virtue for somebody white over somebody black. Or somebody black over somebody white. None of those have any differences in anything. But, illa bittaqwa. Piety, that's what differentiates the people. Regardless of whether you're black, white, Arab, non-Arab, makes no difference. The difference between people is in your levels of piety. إِلَّا بِالتَّقْوَىٰ أَنَّاسُ مِنْ آدم. All of us are from Adam. Arab, non-Arab, black, white, all of that. We're all from Adam. And Adam was from the soil, the clay. So we're all the same in that regard. The only difference between us is our levels of piety, our levels of practicing the religion, our levels of righteousness. Then he mentions, iman. هو الإيمان بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الآخر والقدر خيره وشر وحلوه ومره من الله تعالى. He mentions here about the six pillars of iman and the six pillars of iman we've spoken about before iman in Allah سبحانه وتعالى which is the basis of our iman. All of the pillars of Iman return back to the Iman in Allah. That is the Rububiyyah, the Uluhiyyah, Al-Asma'u Wa-Sifat, the Lordship of Allah, our singling out of worship to Allah, the names and attributes of Allah, the oneness and the Tawheed of Allah, Bin-Nafi Wal-Ithbat, the affirmation and the negation, when you say, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha Nafi, jami'i ma yu'abadu min dunillah, illa Allah, ithbatu al-ibadati lillahi wahdahu la shariqa lah. That you negate all worship from all others besides Allah, and you affirm it only and purely to Allah. That is the basis of tawheed. Rejecting and negating and nafi, jami'i ma yu'abadu min dunillah, all of that which is worshipped besides Allah, and then the ithbat, Affirmation of the worship to Allah alone. And that is the basis of the ayat and the tawheed in the Quran. When the prophets used to say, Ya qawmi ibudullah, ma lakum min ilahin ghayru. Worship Allah, affirmation, ithbat, ma lakum min ilahin ghayru. You don't have any other deity to worship in truth. Negation, nafi. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولَ أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ وَاشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ أَنِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ إِثْبَاتِ وَاشْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ النَّفِي Negation of all the other deities besides Allah, affirmation of worship to Allah alone. Wa'abudu Allah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. Wa'abudu Allah 
worship Allah affirmation wala tushriku bihi shay'a and do not associate any partners with him negation that is your iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of the names and attributes regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is all under the iman in Allah now we have the iman in the angels and we believe that the angels are a creation alamun from the creations that Allah has created like the alamul ins and the alamul jinn you know, the alamul malaika the world of the humans the world of the jinn the world of the angels the creation of the angels made from light they obey yaf'aluna ma yu'marun everything they are commanded they do we know that there are certain angels by name jibril mikail israfil etc we know some of the jobs that they do. We know about the numbers of angels so great that we cannot enumerate or count. So there are various details being given about the angels. All of that is in our iman in the angels. Then also you have the iman in the books, the revelations that have come. We know that there were books for every single prophet and messenger. There is evidence to suggest every prophet and messenger was given a book. We don't know the names of all of those books, but we believe in all of the revelations that came. Some of them we do know, the Zabur, the Torah, the Injil, the Quran, and others. So that is the Iman in all of those books. They were all Kalamullah. All of them were the speech of Allah, but the previous books were distorted and not preserved. Whereas the Quran came and abrogated them all and is preserved. Then on top of that, the iman in the prophets and the messengers. We know that there were over a hundred thousand, hundred and twenty-four thousand prophets, and there were how many messengers? Three hundred and ten odd. Three hundred and ten odd. Some narrations thirteen, some narrations others. But all these prophets and messengers, we don't know all of their names, but we believe in all of the prophets and messengers that were sent. Some of their names we do know, of course, mentioned in the Quran, mentioned in the Sunnah. And the best of them all we know is the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Kalimullah, Khalilullah. Then, of course, after that, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Khalilullah. Then after that, Musa alayhi salam, Kalimullah. And then after that, the difference between Isa alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam. So they are the prophets and the messengers. We have absolute iman in all of them. A person who disbelieves in one of them, then it's as though he has disbelieved in all of them. You must have iman in all of the prophets and messengers sent by Allah throughout time. <coughs> then of course there is the iman in the day of judgment. And that is everything from the time of death up until the paradise and hell. From the time of death when the angels, they come to take the soul of a person. The believers, their souls exit with ease. And the disbelievers, their souls exit with difficulty. The believers, that the soul will exit just like the water flows out from a cup. As for the soul of the disbelievers, then it is ripped out. يَنْتَزَعُ مِنْهُ كَمَا يَنْتَزَعُ السُّوفِ الْمَبْلُولِ السَّفُودِ مِنَ السُّوفِ الْمَبْلُولِ That it is ripped out like you would rip out a hook from wet wool. Ripped out the souls of the disbelievers. And then of course after that there is فِتْنَةُ الْقَبَرِ The trial of the grave. When the angels, they will come, Al-Munkar wa-Nakir, Azraqani, Aswadani, as it mentions in the narration. And they will sit the person up and say, Man Rabbuka, wa ma dinuka, wa man nabiyuka. The questioning of the grave occurs. Then the punishment and the blessings of the grave. The grave of a, a, of a righteous person, a daughter, paradise is opened up and the smells and the beauties of paradise are seen to him. And he sees his place in paradise. So he says to Allah, Ya Rabbi, aqim as-sa'ah. O Lord, establish the hour. My Lord, establish the hour. And then the disbeliever, a door to hellfire is opened up and all the heat and the evils and the poisons, they come and he sees his place. So he says, Ya Rabbi, la tuqim as-sa'ah. My Lord, do not establish the hour. 
And there are other uh, mentionings of the punishments of the grave also, of course, the uh, Pharaoh and his people. And Pharaoh and his people are being punished by the fire in the Barzakh. That on the day of judgment they're going to be taken out of that and put into a more severe punishment, the ayah says. And that is the punishment, of course, of the actual hellfire. So punishments and the blessings of the grave occur. Then the signs of the day of judgment, the resurrection, the books that are given to the people of their good deeds, the bad deeds, the accountability, the mizan, then the sirat, the crossing over of the bridge and the hawd and all of those things that occur until the entry to paradise and hell. All of that, the iman in the day of judgment. And then in the end, the iman in the decree, the decree that we've spoken about already now, the decree initially that we believe Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. And then secondly, that all of it was written down in the preserved tablet. Thirdly, we did it. That everything occurs by Mashiatullah. And fourth, by the, by the wish of Allah. And fourthly, Allah created all of this decree. That is the basic belief in the decree. So, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says <coughs> that our belief is in those pillars of belief. And then he highlights afterwards, وَنَحْنُ مُؤْمِنُونَ بِذَلِكَ كُلِّهِ That we believe in all of that. لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْ رُسُولِهِ We do not differentiate between any one of his messengers. وَنُصَدِّقُهُمْ كُلُّهُمْ عَلَى مَا جَاءُوا بِهِ and so we believe them, all of them, upon what they came with, upon the revelations that all the prophets and messengers were given, that is all truth. What they were given was all revelation. Of course, in the end now, like we said, the Qur'an abrogates all the previous revelations. And so we are upon the practice of what is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah now. That is the section we'll round off on for today. Next time we'll begin with the new section, chapter 68. Uh, and this is now coming close to the end of At-Tahawiyah, into the last third approximately. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on with that from next week. Uh, remember now, 7.15 is the earliest. I won't be getting here before 7.15. So 7.15, try and get here for about 7.15. That will be the earliest we'll be starting now throughout winter. Any questions or anything else before we round off tonight then? This text can't be relied upon, but in your text it doesn't have it. We'll have to check uh, various texts and things and see if that wording is mentioned. At the time it was about, there was a certain illness. There was a certain illness mentioned in the context of that narration. And then drinking the uh, the uh, camel's milk and the camel's urine in that context, but uh, it's not. It wouldn't indicate an impermissibility out of that context, because it's it's pure to drink, so it wouldn't necessitate that it's only allowed in that situation. It's open, even though there may have been a particular context at the time. So we'll round off on that for tonight. Then next week, inshallah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.